Welcome to episode 2 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. Last week we started off with our top 5 heel turns. This week, 30 men enter, only one man leaves the winner. We're hopping on to the road to WrestleMania with our top 5 Royal Rumble matches. Go ahead, pop off, me and my click put on. I'm like a young man, I'm here to get your bitch off. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 2 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. Last episode we had our top 5 heel turns, um, and despite some audio issues in which it sounded like I was going through a train for the majority of the episode... Um, I think it went well. Um, I've got Adam with me as always, my partner in crime. How are you, Adam? Hello, very good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm alright, thanks. We've managed to get here to episode two. Um, let's see if we make it to episode three. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we're talking about the Royal Rumble. Um, talking about our top five Royal Rumble matches of all time. Uh, I have to say that this has been massively fun to research don't know about you but I've certainly enjoyed it yeah I've, I've watched a few and um, made some mistakes with my timelines that have uh, resulted in some late changes of order and things like that but it still meant watching all the stuff which is all good I'm, I'm intrigued and excited <laughs> to find out what those are um, just before we get started on our picks hey, I've got a little bit of a little bit of background on the Rumble here. Um, so our, the very first Royal Rumble match took place in, in 1988 and there were 20 participants to start off with. Do you know who won that, that first Rumble? Oh, was it, it was it someone like Hacksaw Jim Duggan? It was. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. I like it. Oh. <clears throat> I could remember it wasn't Hogan or anyone like that. I just, uh, yeah, I had a feeling for Jim Duggan. Did you watch it? Watch the first one, though? I didn't. I uh, it it didn't strike me as one that I would need to look at to know that I wasn't picking it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Although you you probably could have got through it in like a five minute work break or something like that. Twenty twenty participants. Um they upped the stakes for the rumble for the very first time in nineteen ninety two when uh, the winner would win the vacated World Wrestling Federation Championship. Um and then from nineteen ninety three uh, what we've become accustomed to now was the winner uh, would be granted a title shot at WrestleMania. Um, I wonder. I wonder what year they started pointing at the sign. Some sometimes the <laughs> point is just is too much. There's no subtlety it's, involved. Yeah, I, I still. I, I think whatever the situation when they're doing the point, I still remember the, the great debut of Ronda Rousey when. She, everything looked so good and she looked so happy to be there but then the point was the fakest thing I've ever seen in my oh, life but, yeah, that people just need to learn how to point <laughs> there's one of the ones I think it's one of the ones on my list actually where yeah, the point goes on longer than quite a lot of guys <laughs> were actually in the rumble for um, in 2004 uh, due to the brand split which I think happened two years prior um, we had the first time where the winner was given the, the choice of of which title to pick that they were going to fight for at WrestleMania. I think at that point that included the ECW title as well from 2004. Yeah. Um, 
And then in 2011, and I've not researched this, and this is really random, and I'm sure there's some background to it, but there were 40 participants in the 2011 Royal Rumble, um, with the winner entering at number 38. Uh, and that is, that is to date the longest Royal Rumble there's been, unsurprisingly. I take yeah. it was just a one-off. They went back to 30 after that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, uh, any guesses as to who won that one? 2011. 2011. Oh, it would be a wild guess. It could be anybody. Really. Uh, <laughs> um, Edge? Uh, uh, no. No. It was uh, Alberto Del Rio. Ah, okay. <laughs> Number 38. Nice pick. Um, and uh, in 2018, we had the first ever women's Royal Rumble match. Um, and Asuka, current women's champion Asuka, was the first ever winner of the, the Women's Rumble. Um, which, you know, I was reflecting on that when I was I was writing that down and thinking that's pretty cool that they can now do a Women's Rumble and that they've got more than 30, uh, 30 women on the roster that are, that are good to be in a Rumble. Yeah, I mean, I think when they did it, they called on a couple of... Um veterans but they were they were pretty good i think it was like lita and trish and people like right, that okay. so um but yeah i mean if you think back a few years they they just wouldn't have been able to do it they, they didn't have enough that were actual workers yeah um, they just all had the sort of model look um but i think the, the the talents they were now to be able to do it yeah that's pretty cool um so yeah that's our background um like i think i think everybody even if people don't like wrestling, they know the phrase Royal Rumble. Yeah. I think um, on a on a on a normal Black Friday sale, people might refer to <laughs> Tesco and Asda as a bit of a Royal Rumble. Um, like it feels to me like it's a bit of a a cool thing that a, like a kind of casual fan would would make time to watch. Um, and I know when I was out the loop, I, I would I would always go back and, and you know it's coming around January time I, I would probably say to you are you watching the Rumble this year I think I might actually watch it this year yeah. it's always been one of the things that I don't know you can easily pick it up yeah. um, and watch it what what makes a good Royal Rumble to you? Yeah I mean I think that, that it always felt like it was this sort of special once a year one off match and it's really exciting you know every 60 seconds or 90 seconds or 2 minutes however they, they want to pace it you know, something can happen, somebody interesting can come in. And also, I think when they, when they up the stakes, um, it's obviously the, the title one you referenced in 92, and then from 93 onwards, they, they're, they're really being something at stake, which was a title shot, um, which made it feel like the, you know, the official start of the, you know, to use the phrase, the road to WrestleMania. Um, and it, it went, once the stakes went up to that, it, it just felt more, it, it became sort of the, the most important one-off match of the year, really. Um, and I think also, like, the, there's a few things I'll talk about as I'm going through my picks, but I think you can make someone in it, and they don't necessarily actually need to win it. They, they can, you know, have their big breakthrough moment at a rumble, or you can start a big feud yeah. at a rumble. Um, and I, I think they've at times, you know, used it for... Um, bringing back some veterans to get the, the, the big crowd pop but they also, if you think back to when they, they debuted AJ Styles and that, that came at a rumble and the crowd reaction was amazing Huge. and immediately sort of made him a main eventer yeah. um, and it's it's just that kind of match where you can do it and I don't know that they have any 
like alternative elsewhere or, or any equivalent to it it's um just always feels pretty important and i think like you touched on there i've i know people that watch from rumble to mania and then they sort of tune out for the rest of the year um because that's to them you know the 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 big part of the year for it so mm. yeah i think um it's it just always has that sort of special feel of an event you know it's a, it's a shame in this current internet age um that we've been living in for a while that surprises like like aj styles probably can't really happen and i, I don't know I, I don't think i was i was watching religiously um mm. when aj styles debuted um, but I do know that he was he'd been playing it pretty close to his chest and in interviews uh, there was rumors and he was being asked and he was saying you know like he, he was saying I'm available for January mm-hmm. I'm not busy in January sort of thing but it is a shame because it's that crowd pop of someone returning somebody come back from injury which we'll probably talk about at some point across this um, yeah. this podcast but yeah. And I, and I was I was reading um, just before we came on here uh, that WWE are uh, very keen to get fans in for the 2021 Rumble and like COVID aside, why why would they not? I feel yeah. like the the fans make fifty percent of the Rumble. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they get involved in the countdown. They they react to the people. You know, sometimes they react negatively depending on on the situation, but. Yeah, it, it does feel like an event that would really miss it if you didn't have them. Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. Shall we? Shall we kick on? Yeah. Shall we start our top five? Um, I'll let you go first if you want to kick us off. Yeah, that's uh, fine by me. Um, so sorry, the... sorry. Just before we start, um, I can guarantee we're gonna have we're gonna have crossovers. Yeah. Um, if we do, let's just roll them in together and chat about them together. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely fine. But yeah, sorry, kick off. Yeah, the, the, the first one I'm going to go for is the 2001 Rumble. Um, so that's my number five pick. Um, so I'm, I'm going to guess by the, the little pause that it's not on your list. Um, oh, it is. It is, it absolutely. Is. It's my number uh, one. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Um, okay, <laughs> but that's fine. Let's let's get into it. It's a cracking rumble. Yeah. So, twenty um, first of January two thousand and one uh, was the date of this rumble, um, and there were a few things that really stood out about when I, when I was doing my research that that made me gravitate towards this one. Um, I think for for me, you know, the the company was still. It was just maybe on the slightly on the outs of the attitude era it was just starting to, to transition into mm-hmm. another era but the um you know the the big hitter superstars were generally still there um and it's it's not one where there's a, a surprise winner really um stone cold steve austin goes into it hot and and he wins the rumble match but the one of the things that stood out to me and i know we have seen it over the years it's happened a few times where someone will dominate for you know a period of time in the match and i felt like it was it was kind of the making of kane as as a monster in that sense that he could just completely dominate the ring um and i think i'm just looking at my notes to to see how many uh, eliminations he had in total because i know it was a lot um 11 
So, you know, through the course of the match, he's eliminated 11 people. How ridiculous uh, was that performance? Yeah, it, it was amazing. And, you know, you, you go from that to believing he's a main eventer, even though he didn't win it in the end. Absolutely. Um, and that, you know, just helps the, the roster. It, it helps, you know, make new matches and things like that. Um, and I remember sort of looking at it and thinking, when you get down, the, one of the other favourite things that I was going to mention about a rumble, when you, you get down to, like, the final few mm-hmm. participants and you genuinely don't know who's going to win because they were kind of all big hitters in, in their own separate way. Um, I, I assume you're... You're referring to the one Billy Gunn. <laughs> well, I mean, Billy, <laughs> Billy Gunn, what did he win? Did he win a King of the Ring as well? So he did, you, yeah. you, you never know when uh, his big push could have come. Former hardcore champion. But I think uh, people could have looked at, you know, entrants like The Rock, who, who was still there in the final few, mm-hmm. um, and thought, well, you know, he could so easily be the guy, even though when you look at any rumble in that era, Austin's maybe the favourite to win it. Wouldn't have been a surprise if it was The Rock. Um, and I think when uh, Undertaker comes in, you're looking thinking he could win it. Yeah. Um, you've got Kane there still in the mix, having been in the match for, for a hell of a long time by that stage. So I think the, the other thing that I loved it about Kane, he didn't win. He, he wasn't the guy going on to, you know, the main event or anything like that. But he also was kept strong all the way through it. So when he's eliminated, there's there's no feeling of, you know, this guy's lost anything by right. being eliminated. He still came out as probably as big a talking point as the actual winner in the end. Absolutely. It took Austin, it took Austin three chair shots yeah. to put him away. And I, I love that he did the, the big, like, kind of, you know, like when you're taking a penalty and you run up from about yeah. 15 metres away because you're <laughs> going to smash it. I love that he did the big massive run to get him out after that as well. No, you're right, like, Kane, Kane came out of that. Monster is the perfect uh, way to describe him. Um, the the big thing that I took away from this was, and I I'd honestly, I meant to go back and, and look for it um, after I'd watched it, but I wanted to see a Kane versus The Rock programme after watching this. Because uh-huh. they're going at it. Um, yeah. Just something fierce is amazing. Uh, and I, that's something I'd like to to go back and, and kind of look because I don't really remember them ever going through any sort of um, long term program. But they had, they looked like they had really good chemistry in this match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think they did have a program, which is maybe a, a bit of a mess. There's probably some matches here and there, but I don't think there was like a you know any sort of long term program, which which is unfortunate. Um, so some surprises. Along the way, yeah, Haku, the return of Haku, uh, tearing about, giving people the chops to the head. That's yep. pretty cool. Um, what else do you like about this rumble? Well, I mean, you did have the uh, the Drew Carey comedy <laughs> situation, which you know, I, I'm never against uh, outsiders coming in and being involved. I, I'm I'm not so keen when they're you know put over. On top of the uh, the actual you know talent that that's there, um, so I thought if you if you're gonna have something like that, you know they they built it up. He'd been appearing in the show, being talked into going into the match and things like that, and then um, he obviously gets a little bit of a fright when he realizes the the reality of the situation that he's in. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that was a a particular highlight, but it was uh, it was entertaining enough, um, and it didn't 
take over the show. You know, it was just a little, like, three minutes or something like that, yeah. which uh, which is digestible. Um, and I think, um, you know, you, you get situations as well, like when uh, Big Show comes in, and, you know, I, I can't remember his exact timeline for, for working there, but it probably been in the company a couple of years but you'd always look at him and wonder how could this guy not win a rumble and then um, he he ended up being eliminated by now I've got it written down by The Rock mm. which you know again it, it sets up a possible you know program or issue between the two because one of the big things you're looking at when you come out of these is is having as many you know options hidden towards uh, mania as possible now yeah. it, it ends up being rock and austin which which is fine um but i think at, at this event the title's actually on angle is it kurt angle yeah i think yeah it's triple h yeah so he must between sort of at the next next event he must lose to rock um lose the belt to the rock to set up the the main main event which is obviously going to be money and i think it does play a a part that it leads into one of my favorite manias you know it's it's such a huge show and just you know when you look through the all the entrants and they're not all star names they can't all be star names but you had the the sort of brief teaming up of of the hardys eliminating a few people together and then and then kind of you know, turning on on each other to, yeah. uh, and I, I like the the sort of psychology behind things like that because there's this logic that tells you if you're a team or a former team or anything like that and you're in there at the same time and not the biggest guys in the world, it probably does make sense team up. But at some point, you know, someone's gonna uh, just have that moment where they think, well, I've got to get rid of this guy, you know. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, and that was right at the open as well, which started off pretty. Uh, at a pretty good pace. Yeah. So yeah, there was there was a lot I enjoyed about the match. Um, yeah, just going back to Big Show there. Um, I, I don't know if it's JR or King. They've got a line. He's like a man playing with children. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> and it, they put him over, like you say. Yeah. Like arguably, he's in the ring for about I don't know thirty seconds, and he, he's put over as that kind of Kane equivalent monster. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, I loved the the Rock and Austin face off. Yeah, um, Austin covered in blood. Uh, kind of harken back to WrestleMania thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like you say, it sets up. It perfectly sets up Rock Austin at WrestleMania. If yeah. you want to go back and um, pull together your your little video package, then you know, like it's all set up there. Yeah, it is gives that? You a tease. Is that the one where uh, at the Mania? Austin turns heel. Is that where they? I'm just trying to remember the timeline. Yeah, uh, I want to say it is. I want to say it's. Yeah. Seventeen. Yeah. So they were both, you know, quite. Rock was always popular from a certain point. It didn't matter whether he was heel or babyface, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, to see them sort of like you say face off when there's no obvious heel in the equation, you know, and they're they're both going to get the positive crowd reaction regardless. Yeah. Um, which was pretty cool, because you, you don't get that many moments. Yeah, it makes it feel quite grand. Eh? Feels yeah. Like, makes it feel big. Cool. Okay. Number five, 2001. Uh, and number one for me. Um, okay. My number five. Oh, that's thrown me for a loop, that one. <laughs> uh, my number five. 
was 2008. Okay, now, I don't think I have that one. Okay. I don't. No. Cool. Okay, first thing I want to say about 2008 is the poster. Um, that you get pretty cool posters for, for the Royal Rumbles, obviously with all the guys in it. This was a poster where they're all like fighting amongst each other inside a bus. Okay. Um, it's nothing to do with the match, I just thought it looked pretty cool. <laughs> um, this felt like a really special rumble, and the reason I say that is you've got Michael Buffer doing the let's get ready to rumble before it started, yeah. which was weird. I don't know if it was just because it was Madison Square Gardens, um, just a bit random. But um, yeah, you've got you've got Michael Buffer announcing. You've got Madison, it's in Madison Square Gardens. You've got that awesome camera angle of them coming, um, like straight down the lens. Yeah. Um, and the guys are coming in, and then the commentary team. J.R. Cole, Coach, Taz, King, and Jerry Styles. Um, no. Yeah. This was this was I, random. Uh, when yeah. I was watching, it, I was like, "Wait!" And he's there, and and he's is that Jerry Styles as well? <laughs> um, it just made it. I don't know. Gave it that kind of, you know, like you get a big boxing match and you get like panel experts all all um, commentating. It kind of felt yeah. a bit like that. It was cool. Yeah. Um, and then you had like Taz and King and I think even Coach talking about being in Rumbles and their experience and stuff like that was just quite cool yeah nice um, you had Undertaker and Shawn Michaels number one and two um, and they'd been the last two in the previous Rumble um, and it's just kind of like that continuity and yeah. uh, they'd had um, does, is this when they go on to fight each other for a second year on at Wrestlemania possibly yeah I'm pretty sure it is yeah um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Just a kind of, it's like a wee nostalgia trip. Um, and then just generally, like 2008, is, I don't think is a time where I would have been watching, but this is quite a, quite a, actually quite a good roster. Um, we've got we've got CM Punk coming in at 12, um, and he gets just a gigantic pop from the yep. crowd. Um, and then at 13, we've got Cody Rhodes coming in after him. Right. Um, and if you've seen uh, there's a really good clip that I know that you've seen that you and I have spoken about before uh, an interview with Cody Rhodes that Inside the Ropes did Yeah. and he talks about what it's like so I think this was his first rumble and he talks about what it's like to to go come into the rumble um, and Punk telling him like what are you going to do when you get in and he's like what, what do you mean <laughs> what am I going to do <laughs> and he's like well you have to get your Get your stuff off. This is your chance to get your stuff off. So, um, he, te- he 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 tells a really good anecdote about Undertaker and Undertaker telling him to hit him and, and putting his head down and speaking through his hair and stuff. Like that. It's just a really cool anecdote to have watched that, um, and then go and watch the Rumble that it played out in. Yeah, uh, it just adds that kind of uh, cool feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I remember you speaking to me about that, and then I went and watched the clip and and watched that match, and it is one of those where you know to to Undertaker, it's kind of nothing, you know. It's he's been there, he's seen it, he's done it. But to someone like uh, Cody Rhodes, it's probably at that point the biggest moment he's experienced, mm-hmm. and. You know, just that, I suppose you, you can see it from, um, you know, interviews and documentaries, just that, that sort of willingness to, to do these things, to help guys along. Um, and it's, you know, nothing about it is going to negatively impact Undertaker, but just something like that interaction can 
can really boost someone's career. Absolutely. Something I took away from watching some of these rumbles was how giving Undertaker seems yeah. to be. Um, and he's he's willing to stand there and get beat up by both the Hardys and Lita and get put out by other people that have won tough enough that we'll talk about <laughs> probably at some point. <laughs> um, there's a really cool uh, little bit in this in this rumble where uh, you get Jimmy's Jimmy Superfly Snuka coming out. Um, he looks a little bit like Mae Young, but anyway. Um, and then right after that, you've got Piper coming out after him. Um, and they're both, the pair of them, just going at each other. And there's about eight other wrestlers in the ring, and they all just kind of stop. And they're all just watching the two of them going back and forward. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You've got, like, yeah. I'm sure you had, like, Punk, like, elbowing some, doing, like, nudging them with his elbow and going, like, look, look, look at them going. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Brilliant. Um, and something that I never thought I would say, um, not being the biggest John Cena fan in the world, but uh, Cena comes out right at the end and he gets the most ridiculous pop you've ever heard. Um, he'd been out injured at this point and was yeah. he wasn't due back. Um, and he get, comes out number 30 and Triple H is over-egging the pudding here. He's, he's taking it too far with his reaction, <laughs> but... And this is the this is the rumble where they're literally stood pointing at the uh, at the sign for goddamn ages. Like, but um, aye, that is that surprise element of Cena coming back. It's just it was really cool. Yeah, I I, I remember it purely for the comeback actually, just because it, like you say, it was so unexpected, and I don't think. <sighs> I don't remember there being whispers about it or anything like that, or certainly nothing I saw or heard. So when I'm sitting watching it while it was actually happening, I thought, oh, you know, and again, I'm not the biggest fan. I probably became a bigger fan later than I was uh, in the earlier days, but it's uh, that, that surprise feeling is uh, is a good one when you can capture it in a rumble. It sounds like uh, Triple H was doing more of his uh, house show reaction than you would expect <laughs> on, a, on a major show. <laughs> So yeah, that's my that's my number five, two thousand and eight. Cool. Number four for you. Number four. So I I think I maybe mentioned to you at some point through the last couple of weeks that I'd really surprised myself with one that I was going to pick. So this is it. This is at number four, and I never thought I would say these words in terms of my one of my favourite <laughs> Royal Rumble matches. It is Royal Rumble twenty twenty. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, the one that took place just like 10 months ago. Um, and there's a few reasons for it. Um, I, I remember um, as, a, as a youngster and then, you know, with, with people like Andre and then a little bit later on with what we saw with Kane and Big Show and things like that, is thinking, could someone ever just, you know, dominate? And surely if there's a guy that dominant, he can just take people out as they come in. Because, mm -hmm. you know... Um, these, these monsters, if they were ever number one, it might not be the worst thing because you're in there at the start and it's one-on-one -on -one and you can keep it one-on-one -on -one, uh, for a big chunk of the way through. I'm not the biggest modern-day Lesnar fan, but um, when he came out number one in the Rumble match and he just started doing that, he, he owned the ring um, and he reeled off like these 13 eliminations just one by one by one 
and he's, you know, taking a breather, he's having a, a laugh and a joke. There's a nice, like, comedy moment where he feigns that he's going to have an alliance with Shelton Benjamin, cool. and, then, and then he just gets rid of him uh, and is laughing about it and joking about it. And then the fact that, you know, he's looking that dominant and he's uh, owning the ring at the Rumble then makes it bigger for me when the winner of the Rumble, who's Drew McIntyre in this situation and who is a guy they're clearly building for a main event run, not only wins the Rumble, but he also eliminates Lesnar. Um, and for me, that, that just put... the He obviously already had the backing and he was going to be you know the guy for a while to an extent, but it, it just put that extra emphasis on him yeah. as you know, you've got this monster who's looking unbeatable, who's got all the credentials, but guess what? I just got rid of him and went on to win the match. Um, so yeah, the, the, I, I loved the, the start. I can't, there's there's the little bit of me that in a way, and we'll probably talk about this in other podcasts for other reasons, but in a way wishes it hadn't been Lesnar because someone else going in and dominating who isn't a household name already maybe could have made someone, you know. But um, I think for the sake of getting um, McIntyre over to the extent it did, it, it was worth doing and it probably doesn't hurt anyone, you know, that, that were among the eliminations, you know, there were some, some big names in it early on uh, in terms of, you know, people like Kofi Kingston who went on to, to become world champ. Um, you've got, you know, physical guys like uh, Big E and things that you think shouldn't be that easy to get rid of, but he was just dismissing them. And I think that um, the... You know, the, the talent as well was, was one of the things that stood out. And, you know, we've probably mentioned in conversations before strength of roster at various times and things mm. like that. I do think, you know, when I look through the names that were involved in this Rumble match, um, you, you sort of pick out potential winners and they all end, well, most of them end up being there near the end. Um, so I talked previously about having that sort of final three or something like that. Towards the end of this match, I'm looking and thinking, you've got McIntyre, Roman Reigns, Edge, Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, you know, and you're looking thinking they're all believable winners. Yeah. And the other huge thing about it um, was the Edge return. Yeah. Um, so, like, again, they'd, they'd managed somehow to keep it quiet. Um I think there'd been the odd hint and things like that, but every interview he was being asked, he was like, you know, I, I'm quite happy with what I'm doing, stuff like that. Uh, there were the rumours he'd managed to get cleared, which he obviously had, but I think people believed at the time he retired, he had to retire, and there was kind of no coming back from it. Um, he had gone on to do acting and things like that, and it just, um, it, it was, it, even though I'd heard the odd rumour, it was still surprising. And then they immediately put him over big. You know, he, he, yeah. was, a con he was a contender in that match. He Absolutely. Was eliminating people. And that is, boom, immediately you've got another main event guy. Um, but in terms of, you know, you could see it in the crowd and you could kind of feel it a bit, the, the emotion of that return, which you don't get an awful lot of the time unless it's, you know, a genuine somebody had to retire and then they've made a comeback. Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting so, goosebumps in here, <laughs> genuinely. So I, I, I at no point thought that I would be sitting here saying uh, Royal Rumble 2020, but it just ticked quite a few of the boxes that I look for in a match. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I think if anything, I actually enjoyed it. I, I probably watched it, you know, the at the time it was on uh, in January. And then I, I doubt I'll have watched that match since. So going back, I watched it just uh, a few days ago and I thought, yep, yeah, this is, this is going to be in my top five. I'm delighted. I'm delighted we got to talk about it because it's not in my top five. Um, but it was, you know, like, it was a 5.5 sort of thing. Right. Like you say, it's a really good, it's just a great rumble. Yeah. Um, I think Edge coming back like that. And if you've watched Edge 24, what, what's, what's that programme called? 24 or 7 or... Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, like it just adds all the more to it. It is really emotional, like you said. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, from from my point of view, I don't know if I missed a couple of pay per views or something like that. But at that point, Drew McIntyre had been this kind of generic heel, Shane McMahon lackey. Um, yeah. Then suddenly he was he was uh, making a beeline for Brock, and he was uh, pointing at WrestleMania sign. <laughs> Um, but it did it like you say, it did its job, it did its job yep. perfectly. Um and and going back to what we were saying about Undertaker there, uh, I think applies to Brock as well. He's very giving. Um he'll sell like nobody's business for someone that he feels it's appropriate to sell for. Yeah. Um I think he's he's really talented at that and, and obviously yep. Drew um Drew kinda met that. Um that level, so yeah, uh, I I agree. It's a really good rumble, and and I'd also argue, and I'm sure we could have this argument in our time, that thirty men on paper in that 2020 roster, yeah. um, you could rival a lot of years uh, roster wise. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there there is one that I've got coming up where the roster, that actually there's a couple where when you look at the roster and do like a comparison. That actually the talent's nowhere near what it was in the, in the one in January, um, but it's more about I don't know individual performance type things that mm-hmm. that made it go on my list or or some other factors. But yeah, the it, the the actual man for man talent that was in the match is really impressive. Something that's quite cool about the the most the more recent rumbles is getting the NXT guys over, um, yep. so getting a Pete Dunne over Alistair Black um, I don't know if they were if they were in by that point or, yeah. or if I'm thinking of 2019 but um, it's a good vehicle for that as well especially if you've got people that don't don't know NXT um, and they kind of see these guys coming out of, no- out of nowhere and they look like established characters yeah uh, and, and they're they're hammering on guys. Was Keith Lee in that 2020 Rumble? Keith, Keith Lee was in the 2020 um, and I think it was kind of his first appearance on on the main roster stage and I think he moved over quite soon after that. Right. Uh, Alistair Black was in the match as well um, and came in quite late on and got you know quite a good reaction mm-hmm. um, from from the crowd. Um, so yeah I think it, it can it's, it's sort of a way of showcasing the, these people because they're you know you're effectively just catapulting somebody into what is the main event um, mm-hmm. and they might only be in it for you know a small segment, but it's it's eyeballs that might not have seen them before, um, so it's it's always good for them. And you know, thirty men, and you're only ever going to have one winner and a couple of programs maybe that come out of it. You may as well put in some of the guys that are thriving on another, you know, brand. It, it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. Um, 
Okay, so 2020 number four for you. So for my number four, um, I have 2002. Yep, I have that one. Okay. Yep. Um, where do you have that? I have that at number two. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, so things that I loved about this rumble. This was a bit. Of, this was crazy, and this um go back to Undertaker uh, giving and putting people over um, first of all you've got them clearing the place up Yeah. Um, uh, you've got them getting triple teamed by the Hardys and Lita and um, almost going into the fetal position and getting beat up by them um, you, you, you've of course got Maven with the drop kick <laughs> and Undertaker's face turns yep. around that's brilliant Um yeah, you've got the the popcorn machine and Maven just getting what looked like absolutely destroyed. <laughs> I don't know how much that, that is real or not, um, but that poor guy, like he's he's probably having the time of his life fighting Undertaker <laughs> there, and then you've got all these guys pouring on top of him, like pouring pints over the top of him and that. Yeah. Do you notice that? I uh, did. <laughs> yeah. We've got. Kane literally picking up the big show and putting him over, like picking him up and body slamming him yep. over the top rope. Um, yeah, again, Kane, you know, like in a rumble and, and doing something ridiculous. Um, and we've got the perfect return as well. Yeah, and I enjoyed that return. You know, that, that um, I suppose he probably wasn't around too much longer after that, but yeah. um, it's. Uh, you know, it's it's the kind of guy who he was probably actually not as old as everyone thought he was, <laughs> yep. um, and I, I, I sort of have really fond memories of him around, you know, ninety two and things like that, and having you know intercontinental runs, and he's he's a you know this legitimate skilled worker that everyone no doubt has loads of respect for, so perfect for this kind of match, really. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> you could draw parallels between his return there and. And Edge's return in 2020, I think. Yeah. Um, fair to say that they were, you know, like, perfect, obviously, never held the world title, but I would say, in my head anyway, that they were they were fairly similar, um, like, fan favourite type characters and all that sort of thing, and skilled yeah. performers, like you said. Yeah, I know what you mean, and kind of, I think the guys that, you know, the company obviously trusted to do a lot of things for them, get over a lot of people for them and things like that. Mm. Yeah, um, one of the things that I really liked in this match, and it's it's a an example of kind of little comedy things that they can do in the rumble and get away with it with you know because it it takes up ten seconds, but Booker T coming out at thirty, and just like getting himself in his own head, getting all pumped up, um, he does a spinner Rooney and then he's immediately out. <laughs> uh, that proper that proper tickled me. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you know, for probably quite a few years in a row, they had an almost comedy elimination. You know, somebody would come in, giving it everything. You know, doing uh, all their gestures and things like that, and then boom, they're out. But it normally wouldn't be, you know, a main event guy. Mm. Um, so it, it, it probably just that little element of surprise in it happening. Somebody like him. <laughs> um, and and going back to I think what you said in the very first one. 
um, strength of the rumbles kind of reflected by that the kind of final four. Yeah, you've got Mister Perfect, Kurt Angle, who you could argue it would have been that current days Mister Perfect almost. Yeah, um, Stone Cold and Triple H. Yeah, that's a that's a fairly strong final four. Yeah, and that this was the Triple H return, wasn't it? Yep. Um From from injury, which meant that he. He's one. He's a funny character because he, you know, he's probably seventy five percent of his career he's played a heel, but every time he came back from injury, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's just a like a respect thing, and are people genuinely happy to see a return of a you know top tier skilled worker, but I think he he always even if it was brief got that BB face reaction, yeah, just just by returning, which you know all adds to to the emotion of it and things like that. I think part of that's his music. That that yeah. guitar riff is it, and you you just get a bit, he just gets that pop. Do you remember the reaction when he returned on Raw? Um, yeah, after I do. the was that the hamstring injury? Um, and it was just insane. Yeah, but yeah, he is qu- he's quite a hated character as well. But no, certainly something yeah. about him coming he's out a funny nowhere. One. He's a funny one because he's probably still, you know, loved by a NXT crowd because you know he's the guy that mm-hmm. that that runs it. But walks out on Raw or SmackDown or something like that, and he's uh, he's usually booed. But I suppose for loads of his career, that's what he's meant to be. You know, no. that's 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 the role. Um, but yeah, though there were a few notes I made on this, and and one was you know what Kane did to Big Show just because of how you know impressive it was visually. Um, and again, you're you're just looking, thinking monster, mm-hmm. um, and then return to Triple H. Um, again, strength of the final four. It, it's probably when you look at it, you know, there is some some guys you would maybe pick out and say they're a bit meh, but um, like there's probably some stronger rosters. But I thought it was a really well put together match, and I you know I remember everything with um, you know Maven. Um, obviously there were great plans at a point for, for Maven that's just all gone wrong somewhere but I suppose it does just show like you talked about earlier the, the willingness to you know work with somebody and try and take them up a level but yeah it just long term didn't work out for, for whatever reason I mean I'm, I'm not sure that that wiping the floor with someone <laughs> all, all across the arena and smashing his face up I don't know <laughs> the elimination yes but Taker going mad. Yeah. This is the rumble where Taker was was really angry and Scotty Too Hotty came out dancing and uh, yeah, just gets absolute. That was good comedy as well. He, he just gets floored with, with a right hand for the Undertaker. That was good. Yeah, Scotty Too Hotty was always good for things like that. <laughs> I got the feeling he, he really believed in himself as the, the happy dancer. So. <laughs> I was watching that with my son and he, he's never... He, he likes Otis and he likes... He likes the caterpillar, um, and he, uh, he's he's saying, um, "What's this guy doing coming out dancing like that, Dad? The Undertaker's gonna get him." That was good fun. <laughs> awesome. Right, yeah, that's my number, my number four, two thousand and two. Yeah. So, my number two, it was your number two. Okay, what's your number yeah. three then? My number three. I wonder where we're if we're going to align. So my number three is nineteen ninety seven. Ooh, nice. Okay. <laughs> so that's um, not on my list. Okay, now this one 
Um, it's it's probably on my list for a couple of reasons, really. Um, I was pretty into things at the time, you know, I was watching all the events um, and I was just sort of regaining my, my enjoyment of it all after a, a few years of not watching an awful lot. So some of it's probably just nostalgia and timing and things like that. Um, but a huge part of it um, was the the situation with uh, Stone Cold. So um, you had... Wait a minute. Excuse me a second. Do you know, I think I've written the wrong year. <laughs> it was all going so well. <laughs> Give me a second. Ah, yeah, sure. Do you, do you want me to talk about my number three? You go for it. And Just then now. I'll step in. Give yeah. you, give you two minutes. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So my number three is two thousand and three. Um, much like other rumbles we've we've talked about as far as roster strength, I feel like this um, was a really good year for roster strength. Um. This being the podcast that celebrates anything Christian related, um, we had just an excellent start to this rumble. We had Shawn Michaels coming out first uh, and Jericho number two, and uh, we had we had Chris. Well, what, what what we had what looked like Jericho standing at the top of the ramp, doing his usual arms out, um, but it turned out to be Christian, uh, who was aligned with Jericho at that time. And uh, Jericho jumps in the ring behind Michaels, gives him the low blow, classic heel behaviour. Yeah. Um, just a, a cool, kind of different start to this rumble. And like I say, we'll, we'll celebrate anything Christian related on this podcast. So. Yeah, I, I, I remember liking that alliance and being you know, disappointed they didn't kind of make more of it. I think it got broken up fairly quickly, but it, I don't know, they, they seemed to go together, those two characters. Yeah. That's quite a good wee program going with the the bet, um, the bet in relation to Trish, yeah, uh, which ended up in some good matches between Christian and Jericho, um, but yeah, um, further on in this rumble, uh, we've got Rey Mysterio in in pretty early. I think he's maybe number four. Yeah, um, if he wasn't, then it was fairly early. But he was. He was just being absolutely ridiculous. Just a, a complete highlight reel of moves. Um, if you ever wanted to get someone excited watching wrestling that's never watched it before, show them that. It's just amazing. Um, you've got Edge then coming in not long after. And uh, after the pair of them have kind of cleared things out, they do the, the same thing as what the Hardys did. They, you've got the wee kind of high five and, and they, they go at it. That's pretty cool. Um, we had the most ridiculous crowd pop f- for my uh, for version one, Matt, Matt Hardy version one. Yeah. Um, it was just I was a big fan of him at this point, um, and watching that back, I was quite taken aback. The the fans really liked that uh, uh, that gimmick, I think. Um, and you had Shannon Moore coming out with him, and he was doing like really stupid things like lying on his back and <laughs> keeping his feet up so that Matt wouldn't get put out and stuff as. Quite good fun. 
Um, nice. And there's there was a wee bit where Jeff came in and Jeff and Matt were fighting, and uh, Jeff was going to go for Swan Tom Bomb on on Matt, and Shannon Moore jumps in and lies on top of Matt, <laughs> like that was going <laughs> to like that was going to stop any sort of pain, uh-huh. but um, <laughs> but Jeff just just ends up swanton bombing them both. That was good fun. Brilliant. Um, something that I felt about this, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but something I felt about this rumble was that it starts off with your kind of smaller guys mm-hmm. uh, and it progresses to much bigger uh, kind of land of the giant type guys. Yeah. Um, towards the end there, we've got Kane, Undertaker, Brock, um, Albert or Lord Tensai or whatever gimmick he was portraying <laughs> at that point. Uh, and Batista um, and it just felt, like I say it felt like it progressed from these kind of smaller I think Guerrero uh, Eddie was in at this point I think yeah. I think Eddie was in at that point yeah I think um, he would have been early on as well it just kind of it felt like it went for these kind of smaller cruiserweight jumping around kind of guys into these Vince McMahon wet dream type of characters um, but, it, but it worked as well yeah. They, they were really talking up Albert in this rumble. Um, I think he came in number 30, or he came in late on. Anyway, um, it felt like they tried to make him work so many different times, but it just yeah. it wasn't connecting, was it? Yeah, I suppose, it, I mean, he, he was quite a big guy. It just, I don't know. I, I think they talk about the fact you have to be able to connect with, with a crowd, either, you know, one way or another. Mm. Um, and I, I just don't know that he ever did that you know in his run i don't think uh tna were successful due to his charisma you know mm-hmm. um so yeah i i think that's another interesting thing when you were talking about you know having the the sort of lighter weight guys more athletic guys in at the start i suppose because I, I being the sort of cynic that i am when i'm <laughs> watching wrestling i always think you know they so often have a marathon man you know mm-hmm. a guy who'll He'll go, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, something like that. And I suppose it, it opens it up to you looking and thinking one of those guys could be in here a long time because they've maybe got the stamina to do something like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure if anyone actually would have been in that match. Um, they didn't always do it. But, yeah, I think particularly in the sort of 90s ones, there would usually be a, a guy that was in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, this one did feel a bit different. And it, it, it felt like that kind of... Um, match of two halves, um, which is interesting and different. I think that's probably, uh, you know, like why I liked it uh, in the first place. Um, so yeah, we had uh, we had Lesnar winning this one, and this was round about his time of the next big thing, um, and he was, he was. I don't know. It's great to watch him when he's that kind of younger age. Yeah, and he's not just suplexing people over and over and um, there's just yeah. something about him that's really good to watch at that age Yeah, I, when he first came through I mean, I, I don't think I was watching you know, every every show weekly at that stage or anything like that but I do remember, I would still watch most pay-per-views because I think they were still free at that point um, but I remember thinking like that it's not normal for a guy that big to be able to move the way he could um, and it does feel like ever since he, you know, when he first left that time to, you know, look at playing NFL and then um, ended up doing some MMA and stuff like that. I think uh, when he came back, they were so focused on, I think, capitalising 
on his UFC stuff mm. and making him look like this sort of ground and pound fighter. Um, and he he probably by that stage didn't have that agility in him really. Mm. Uh, but he was so impressive when he was young. It was ridiculous. Um, and the only final note that I've got written down here was Maven tries again <laughs> with a um, with a drop kick to an Undertaker. Just looks on. I mean, why would you try that again after the popcorn <laughs> incident? Come on. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. I, I toyed with this um, as my number one. Okay. Um, but I just felt 2001 and the other one um, just edged it uh, because of various performances. But have, yeah. you, have you sorted I've, yourself I've out? Re- I've regained my composure. I was Excellent. never off in terms of the year. I knew exactly where I was. The problem was when I'd been kind of moving things about because you'd said my two and I went and looked at my notes for that. So I'm back on track. It's all good. Okay. It is 1997. Okay. That is, it's the right one. Um, and it's the sort of one of the, you know, there were a few, but one of the real establishing moments for Stone Cold Steve Austin. So at this point in time, um, in 1997, he's kind of transitioning from heel through cool heel towards, you know, most over babyface in the history of the company. And he he comes into this Rumble match, probably not that many people at this stage viewing him as a possible winner. Um, he comes in fifth, which is pretty early for, you know, a, a sort of modern-ish, so it's not modern, is it, 97? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think of, I you know, you. Uh, people like, yeah, Shawn Michaels won from number one in 95. Yep. But you, you wouldn't think of Austin really doing that, no. you know. Um, but he came in at five and he was in the match for 45 minutes and he eliminates 10 people, which, you know, that's putting him over massively. But the, the thing that I loved about it was the, the sort of added controversy that they'd never really done in a Rumble match before because Austin, who wins it, gets eliminated. He gets eliminated by Bret Hart. Yep. So Bret Hart, has um, he's, he's back in the company. He's always going to be main event pitcher around this this time so he is a possible winner everyone's looking at it thinking he's very very possible as a as a winner of this but he's starting to become you know the the slightly whiny Bret Hart so when things don't go his way or when he thinks he's been mistreated um he he's you know speaking out and having a, a whinge and a moan but he's not heel yet he's you know still got the majority of the crowd backing and most of the things he complains about you know that the crowd would be thinking yeah that's not right you know um so sort of really capitalizing on that um austin uh, is eliminated by bret hart Austin looks around and can see that nobody, no official, has his eye on it. There's things going on at other sides of the ring and things like that. So he just goes back in under the ropes. And as far as all the officials around the ring are concerned, nothing has happened. Um, And then they, you know, go full on with that angle because Austin eliminates Bret Hart. He he, um, eliminates him right towards the end of the match is you see the final elimination actually I think he maybe is yeah um, so Austin who has been eliminated wins the match due to you know officials oversight which when you think about it with everything that's going on around the ring you know people teetering at various points and things like that 
in thinking logically, that could happen. Um, mm. you, you would think it's totally possible for uh, f- for something to be missed. Um, so I, I thought it was a really nice twist on it yeah. because we hadn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that it, um, it helped put someone over who they were obviously starting to make plans for in terms of going to the top. Yep. Um, but it also kept the likes of Bret Hart strong because he's been he has legitimately been cheated out of winning it. Yeah. Um, he should have had the title shot. Um, so the 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 other thing I liked about it, obviously, you've got out of most rumbles, you've got the road to WrestleMania. It's the first first stop on the road to WrestleMania. But they were able to really then take that and get a few more angles out of it. So because of the fact the refs missed it, yeah, that's fine, Austin wins, but we're going to put in this caveat that we have another match to dictate who's the number one contender because he cheated to win it. So they they came up with that in your house, the final four, which happens after the Rumble, before WrestleMania, which was supposed to be to determine the number one contender. And it had all the key people that Austin had eliminated after he had been eliminated. (laughs) So it was cool. Austin, Vader, Undertaker, and uh, Bret Hart, um, and it ends up, you know, they, they go with Bret to to be the guy that ends up taking the title because that was um, Shawn Michaels vacating the title. So the final four match actually ended up being for the belt, not for the uh, the the Mania match. Just when so, he lost his smile. Yes. Um, Poor guy. So it what what they ended up getting out of it was you know you got that program where he ends up. Austin and Bret Hart continue to end up working together. You get all the angles of, you know, Bret becoming hated in America, loved in Canada. Mm-hmm. You you get the, you know, Mania um, submission match and all that, and the, the sort of official final turn where Bret is full heel by, by that point. And it just all ties in really nicely with how, how they set this match up up. Um, when we were talking earlier, the, the, the big thing that stood out to me, much as I loved the match, and I think everyone would hear 1997 and think, oh, the roster must have been good then. In terms of actual, you know, talent, physical talent, it's, it's probably nowhere near <laughs> what, what, what they ended up having because you've got the likes of uh, Crush is in the match, Ahmed Johnson, who, you know, was over for a while but couldn't really do much. Um, I think the, I think in this match they actually had the fake razor um, in the Rumble match. Yep. They had uh, the the Godwins, uh, Phineas and Henry, was it? I think um, they had you know Bart Gunn, a very over the hill Jake Roberts. Um, so there's there's you know a, a lot of guys that you wouldn't you wouldn't put in a. Rumble now, you know, even at the the equivalent of what they were then, because mm-hmm. they they probably don't have the talent for it. So it wasn't that it was stacked with talent; it was more about the sort of story that they got out of that that I, that I loved, and the fact that you could end up cheering in a way for a guy who really took advantage of a situation. So it's you know he's he's been eliminated. The noble thing is you know you just walk back; you've been eliminated, but. He thought, well, wait, nobody's seen me. You know, that's great. Take advantage of the situation. And I think that all played into his character. I mean, even when he was a full-on babyface, you know, he'd still 
you know, by any means necessary, you know, do what needed to be done. So, um, yeah, I, I, I rewatched it. There's probably the first part of the match isn't the best. You know, it's um, it's not got great athleticism. It's not got um, some of the moments that you've come to love in Rumbles where somebody sneakily somehow balances on something and escapes going out. I think, you know, Kofi Kingston every year or, or yeah. whoever it happens to be, which is always really good fun. And it's, you know, it's, it's missing a lot of those elements. But from the storyline point of view and what Austin did, I just loved it. I thought it was a, a brilliant story to tell. Do you know what's really interesting about that is in 1997, you're blurring the lines between... Um, what the fans see as classic heel and classic yeah. face behaviour. Yeah. Um, like even now you would see someone like try to think of like a crafty heel character like Dolph Ziggler. Um, you would see him doing something like this. Yeah. And you wouldn't cheer him. <laughs> but yeah, it's the fact Austin does it and gets yeah. away with it, and and is is seen as this kind of kind of badass it's somewhere in between a face and a heel yes. um, it's really interesting to think back that this is like 23 years ago um, and you know like we're, we're talk they talk now about kayfabe being dead but like at that point you're you're kind of blurring you're absolutely blurring the lines between face and heel and yeah, are we supposed to be cheering for this guy that's going against authority and, and all that sort of stuff yep Um so yeah, that um, in terms of like you know match quality, and to be honest, if we if we go through Attitude Era, that wasn't what it was about really. You know, I, I think a lot of match quality nowadays is a lot better than it was then. Mm -hmm. But it was about story, and it was about um, you know building the characters and having these not over the top in cartoonish terms characters, but really over with a crowd um, yeah. and knowing how to communicate with them and interact with them even you know you mentioned the physical things the the little heel tendencies and uh, things like that and I just thought it was really well done and really well executed yeah uh, I agree I, I watched this rumble relatively recently as well something that got me was I got, I got totally done by the fake razor I was convinced <laughs> that that was Scott Holland was completely confused yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um can we just recap for a yep. second? Yep. Um, so, my number five was 2008, my number four was 2002, and my number three was 2003. Yep. Now, let me just make sure I'm not getting mixed up. <laughs> so, my number five was 2001. Um, my number four was 2020. My number three was 97. My number two was 2003. 2002. Um, okay. So. Cool. So we've talked about that. Um, I suspect that my number two will be your number one then. But um, we've already talked about my number one, which was your number five, which was 2001. <laughs> my God. So, yeah. Um, my number two which I expect is your number one, is 1992. Yeah. Yeah. And just before we get into it, I think what you were just talking about there, about story and characters, yeah. um, 
and also like nostalgia and what the age um, that we were at the time that this happened. I think that's what tipped 2001 over um, for me, mainly Rock Austin and just right. that story. Yeah, that's, um, that's fair. Yeah. You know, like if we're going on a lot of things, 1992 is, yeah, it's pretty close for me. But 1992 yeah. is just incredible. There's there's probably two men responsible for that, but um, yeah. yeah. What did you, you like about 1992? Yeah, the... I think you you know you start it off with the fact that it's actually for the title and you know just for context you've touched on it earlier but previous to this the winner of Rumble didn't even get the guaranteed title shot mm -hmm. you know it 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 just raised the stakes so much that you know this is actually for the belt um and then you right from basically from the start of the the pay-per-view even before you're you're at the Rumble match you you have Bobby Heenan who is you know being really offish with his co-commentator Gorilla Monsoon, which he you know so often was, but he he's he's so in the moment and wrapped up in the fact that his guy, um, Ric Flair, can win this and you know shut everyone up about people like Hulk Hogan and things like that. He brought Ric Flair in because Ric Flair is the real world champion and now he's going to win this world title and he'll show you all. And he just gets so carried away with himself. And it, <laughs> it you, you would never, I don't think, I can't ever imagine a commentator performance like that one ever happening again. Because... Mm -hmm. You've always, you know, in most booths, you've got your guy nowadays who he'll affiliate a bit more with the heels, but he's not necessarily full on heel. You know, he'll he'll have a line and he'll he'll uh, if someone crosses it, you know, just to get things over, he'll say, yeah, that's gone too far, or that person's gone too far, or whatever. Mm. Um, whereas then, you know, it, it wasn't just the fact that everyone knew where they were with Bobby Heenan in that he didn't like Hulk Hogan and he'd always had programmes of guys that were up against Hulk Hogan and he never won, you know, he, he, he very occasionally got a, you know, dubious Andre title win or something like mm. that, but he, he never came out on top of the angles, you know, long term or anything like that. And this full belief in him that this was his guy that would finally be the top guy and he would be standing there with him. It, it just kind of took over the whole show, oh, but but yeah. in a really good way. Yeah. Um, because I, I mean, for me, um, Bob Heenan is probably the, the the best ever announcer, and he was probably the best ever manager. But um, it, this was the performance. This was the show, um, and it. it there's there's so much in it, and you know you you've got the the early stages of the match, and they, they start off pretty strong, because you've got like the bulldog, British bulldog Ted DiBiase, and then they're they're starting the match off, and then the flare comes out at three, and Heenan right from that point starts his it's almost like he's bargaining you know he's, he's like he's like screaming no 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 because he can't believe his guy got number three and then he starts with there's this phrase that he says so many times through it which is this isn't fair to flare it just it, it's peppered around the whole show and it's not um it's not one of those shows where you know you you have uh 
like a, a monster who's eliminating loads of people or anything like mm. that. It's more paced, it's more steady, and there's always a few people in, um, certainly from, from a certain point onwards. But Flair actually does an hour in the match. He's in there for an hour, which, you know, it seems incredible. Um, but for huge parts of that, he's actually playing it really clever, as, you know, a heel would and should in that he's backing off from people, he's backing away from people, he's cowering in a corner. And there's these little bits and pieces where you're looking thinking, you know, you kind of have to admire the fact this guy goes an hour and wins it. But he's not like the dominant hero character. He's quite sneaky through all of it, um, which really fitted with, you know, the the character he was playing and things like that. Yeah, it's not like your kind of typical Iron Man type performance, is it? No. Um, because I think yeah so he he does an hour I think that the bulldog is in for about half an hour maybe I thought the bulldog was brilliant in this yeah um, it's probably he's had a few good rumbles there was one that I was considering for this which was 95 where um, the the, the unique thing about 95 was the first two people in are uh, bulldog and Shawn Michaels and the last two people in are Bulldog and Shawn Michaels. Cool. Um, so I was I was considering that for that, you know, sort of totally different slant on the match. But mm-hmm. I think he's got quite a history of going long in rumbles and, and it seems to suit him, that sort of style of match, Bulldog. I was really impressed by him, he was good. Um, yeah. Something that stood out to me about beyond, like, sorry, just going back to Heenan. Heenan's performance is the equivalent to Kane going an hour in that yeah. rumble that we talked about earlier. Like, yeah. It is masterful. It's just unbelievable. And without that, you know, like take him out and and Flair's performance would would still be what it is, but it wouldn't it wouldn't make the rumble what it was. Yeah. Um yeah. agreed. Heenan is just amazing. Truly amazing. Um but something that, that stuck out to me and um, this will segue nicely into what we're going to talk about in our next episode was um, there was lots of guys, you know, think about the rosters lots of guys that were at that kind of intercontinental level yes. that just seemed to be like a bit of a conveyor belt of these kind of top class uh, wrestlers who were who were on that kind of just sort of teetering towards a glass ceiling um, so you had like Texas Tornado uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Roddy Piper even, um, and they just seem to be coming one after the other. Um, and I don't know if that's a reflection of the age that that I would have been at that time. So I would have been nine at that time. But these all all these guys just seemed like superheroes. Hello, you still there? Oh. So yeah. Yeah, it just felt like there was that kind of peppering of these kind of, I don't know, like I was saying, kind of felt a bit like superhero type characters coming out. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 kind of just looking through the names that were in it, um, just to refresh my memory. And you've got, you know, uh, what would have been quite a young uh, Shawn Michaels, but you you've got people like uh, Texas Tornado, um, you've got Hercules, Big Boss Man. Um, I think I saw Tito Santana. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, I, I, probably a, a lot of guys that were 
just under main event rung, but mm. they were uh, these. I think it, it maybe not outrageous characters, but um, you know, quite interesting out there characters. Yeah, um, and we've spoke about Macho Man uh, during our last episode quite a lot. Yeah, he was just acting like a complete maniac in this. Yeah, I I I love. Macho Man, Randy Savage, it's no doubt going to come out in many of the, the podcasts we do. Um, because he, I think, again, he's another one of these guys, regardless of whether he's playing babyface or, or heel or somewhere in between, he, he just had this over-the-top personality and way about him. And it, it came across as totally believable mm. um, that he was that guy. Um, maybe maybe he was. Yeah, um, I don't know if it, if it got to the point or if it was that believable that I don't know if he did, if he actually was like that or not. <laughs> yeah, and I know you, you do hear stories about how people get a little bit too caught up in the the character they're they're portraying, and I think themselves struggle to, you know, find the line between real life and and who they're portraying on on screen. Something um, that I've got down in my notes here was the number of back body drops that Flair took. Yeah. Like. <laughs> What age would Flair, Flair always looks like he's, you know, like to me there's no differential between Flair wrestling at sixty, um, and Flair wrestling at whatever he would have been here, nineteen ninety two. Yeah, I think he's late forties. Right, unbelievable. Um, at that point, yeah, and obviously you know amazing stamina and all that, and I think you know how he always used to, used to have the the chops as well. He would get in some yeah. sort of chopping contest with someone. <laughs> um, and I think that those were his, his staples in that he was, he was a really good seller. So, you know, he would take all the moves that somebody else was doing. But in a, in a Rumble match, he, he took a hell of a lot. <laughs> he yeah. took a lot of moves. He, there's a few times he, he did the classic wander out of the turnbuckle and then just face plant. Yeah. That was good. Uh, apparently, um, it wasn't something that McMahon was a big fan of, but <laughs> he, he just did it anyway. Like uh, The crowd always reacted to it. That's brilliant. Um, I, I noticed that something that I was uh, hearing about on another podcast, it was one of the uh, Bruce Pritchard podcasts, the, the timing of Rumble matches and the, you know, like putting them together from a, a Booker point of view. Yeah. In the, they, they would sort of start off with that, who's going to win, right? So uh, who did they need to have a, like an angle with at some point in the match? Right, okay, put that in any other main angles we want to create, right, put those in, make sure those guys are, are kind of in there at the same time. And guys genuine, generally knew the the order of elimination um, and who they were to eliminate or be mm. eliminated by. But other than that, uh, you know, they, were, they didn't write every minute of, of a match and things like that, which probably allowed people who were in there a long time, like Flair was in this, to, you know, just do their own thing and... Um, ad lib a bit yeah. rather than than being overly scripted uh, or rehearsed, which I think plays into a lot of the good things you see happen as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you raised that. Actually, that's something I would to raise as well. Um, what a logistical nightmare that must. I, I would yeah. I would imagine it's probably quite a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but quite a lot of stress as well involved yeah. in that. There's um, there's one thing I wrote in my notes, and I don't know. Like, I, every time I watch this, I see it, but I don't know if it's because I, I was never the biggest Hogan fan. Oh, here comes the um, Hogan hate. I thought the Hogan hate would get here. 
Hogan Hogan turns heel in this. Yeah, he definitely heel. does. I've, I've got I've got it written down here. Hogan is acting heelish. So I mean, he, he every man for himself. You know, the title's on the line, and he's in there. You know, there's there's only a few bodies left at this stage, and um, he is cleanly, you know, eliminated by his friend Sid. Uh, is he? Vicious or ju- it would be justice at this mm-hmm. point. I'm assuming. I think so. Um, so he, he, Hogan's out. He's eliminated from the match. He's furious. He's pointing. He's accusing. <laughs> you know, a guy of cleanly eliminating him from the match. So I don't. I don't know what the issue is supposed to be there. Um, but then Hogan, who has been eliminated, assists full heel Ric Flair in winning the match by eliminating Sid. So I mean, if it's anyone else. You know, the booze are out, the full heel turns on, but with it being Hogan, I don't know, it's just kind of glossed over. Nobody really makes a big deal of it. Has to be involved some way or other. But yeah, no, totally, totally agree. Um, and then uh, there's there's a few more, as we get to later stages of the match, there's a few more Bobby Heenan classics. Like, he, he's saying things like, I swear to God, if you let... Uh, Ric Flair win, I will never do anything bad again the rest of my life and things like that which is just brilliant it's um, it's uh, such a sort of tour de force of commentary oh, absolutely, um, and, I, and I, I think Monsoon is just, well I was going to say he's just as good but he plays his part perfectly yeah, along he, um, he, he he's so good at doing his you know um, Will you stop? You know, and and he, he he just always gets to the stage where he's had enough of him, and there's the odd threat, and you know, I can get you thrown out of here, or you know, a physical threat at times and things like that. But what he never actually does is it. It's obvious in this show, Heenan's commentary is one of the stars of the show, and I'm sure it was always designed that way. And you're you're right in what you say because Monsoon. He's the supporting character in the commentary, even though he's the lead announcer in it. Um, he's kind of secondary to it um, because he's kind of generally just letting Heenan do his thing and go so over the top. Yep. Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right in what you say in that if Ric Flair wins this rumble, you know, in an hour, wins the belt, without Bobby Heenan's commentary, it's maybe still a, you know, top five, top ten quality of match because of the individual performance, but it's not the one. It's maybe still a, you know, top five, top ten quality of match because of the individual performance, but it's not the one that you remember. It's not one that stands out. It's not one that for me is number one, um, because it's so much of of that is about Heenan. It's mm-hmm. absolutely. It's, it's uh, just a, a brilliant performance, um, and it's it's one that uh, I think I mentioned on when our last uh, in our last podcast that it, you sort of you remember a lot about when you were a young kid. So I, I was probably looking at ninety two, so I probably didn't get the the VHS until maybe ninety three or ninety four or something like that. And I wasn't, you know, seeing any weekly programming or anything. Um, I don't think we had Sky at that point. So um, it, it was just, uh, you know, follow each pay-per-view as they come out on video and watch them. And um, 
I thought when Hulk Hogan appeared in this rumble and it's for the belt, as a young kid, this is a no-brainer. He is going to win it. Mm. And I think part of my fondness for it, and it's not just because I'm not the biggest Hogan fan, was there was that element of surprise because I didn't, you know, certainly not at a young age, follow really old-school WCW. Mm. So I knew when they put over Ric Flair as this other champ from from another place. To me, it, they were always less than. So I was thinking, okay, but he's not going to be Hulk Hogan or something like that. But if you need to put a guy over for him to go an hour in the Rumble and win the belt, you know, that, that that's it. For I, I can have to imagine a lot of you know fans in America were maybe watching both programmes, so they probably knew who Flair was before he appeared anyway. Mm-hmm. But as someone who didn't, that's just really putting him on the map as, oh, maybe this guy could be as big as Hogan. You know, he probably never really... Yeah, so um, when when I was young, I was very much WWF fan, and I was aware of WCW, but I wasn't watching it. Um, didn't really have access to the programming and things like that. So when this guy, Ric Flair, appears, to me, you know, he's coming as very much underneath guys like Hogan, even Savage and people like that. I, I didn't view Flair as top tier just because I, I hadn't really been aware of his, his work elsewhere. Far more aware of it now and far more respect for, for all of it now. Um, but for me, if you want to get a guy over who I'm sure wouldn't have been the only one, people maybe had their company, you know, if they really were WWF or WCW fans. Um, and f- for me... The fact that they, they put the belt on the guy and had him go an hour in the Rumble, what what better way to establish him as an absolutely top-tier guy? Absolutely. Um, and he gets his character over uh, yeah. remarkably well after the Rumble when he's celebrating as well. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Is that the with the tear in my eye uh, promo? Yep. Yeah, brilliant. I, he, he was one of the best talkers but sometimes it was rambling but sometimes it just came across brilliantly something that we've not talked about um, from this rumble that I just happened to notice and I remember I wrote it down and I was laughing um, our boy Jack Tunney comes out, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz re- returns again um, and makes a god awful announcement that is so uninspiring um, <laughs> think Howard Finkel takes the microphone off him and he is he's visibly shaking his head at him. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I, I always wondered if... Because apparently he was this guy that... I think he was pretty high up in one of the companies that Vince bought out when when he was uh, taking over right. and going uh, national. And I think he just stuck around for a few years but didn't really have a part to play. So they just wheeled him out. To, but why even wheel him out if you're if he's going to be, you know, delivering uh, promos like that. Uh, he basically just repeats what what Howard Finkel's already said, but with a lot less sort of uh, excitement and, and panache. It's yeah. just quite funny. It, it truly is a, a a brilliant rumble. Could could easily, it's obviously number one on yours. Yeah. Um, between that and 2001, could, could quite have went um, number one on mine as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 
No, it's cracking. Um, and just uh, what, one last thing to mention on that is looking back at the Undertaker, um, and and just seeing across these rumbles the evolution of the Undertaker. And I know there's been a lot of that uh, recently yep. um, between the various documentaries, but he he's full on Undertaker character here. Um, I, I I don't know. Do you know when he debuted compared to to when this is? Is it 1990 he debuted? Yeah, so what if they just... Did they say it was 30, 30 years? years aye, so, so it must yeah, have been 90. Yeah. Um, he's, he just feels a, a proper, well-established, high-level heel yeah. in this rumble. And he's that monster character. And to still be going like he is, and like, well, maybe not recently, actually. But, um, uh-uh. yeah. To be still be going in, in some of these two th- uh, early 2000 rumbles the way he is is just uh, really incredible. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's impressive because I mean, there's so few guys that had the longevity who were pushed as a monster in the first instance, which is what he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was still, you know, at, at that stage, 92, he was probably one of the biggest guys that would have been in it and one of the most sort of ominous, or probably the only really ominous presence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, yeah, hats off to him, and he's he's uh, he's made his mark in a hell of a lot of uh, rumble matches as well as all the others. Mm, absolutely, good stuff. Cool. Um, do you think we've said all we need to say on two thousand and one? I think so. I mean, all I would say um, to to add to what we've said is it, it just needs to be watched by everyone with the sound on. Um, just get the feel for it and listen to the commentary. Maybe doesn't. I've found myself at times nowadays. I, I don't really pay attention to what's being said on commentary and what? a lot of the time and things like that. You don't listen <laughs> to Corey Graves talking about <laughs> King Corbin non-stop. Uh, <laughs> so, so, something something's changed somewhere along the lines <laughs> in, in the announcing. But for that, I mean, if you're if you were going to watch it without or on mute, there's probably no point watching it at all. I absolutely agree. Bobby Heenan, MVP. Yeah. Okay, doke. Okay, let's just um, let's, let's one last time. Let's recap our top five Royal Rumble matches. Yep. Um, in descending order, mines were two thousand and eight, two thousand and two, two thousand and three, nineteen ninety two, and then two thousand and one. Yep. So mine were descending order again. Two thousand and one. 2020, 1997, 2002, and 1992. Cracking. Great stuff. Um, yeah, I'm going to miss watching Royal Rumble matches yeah. for, for research purposes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we go, uh, we could talk a little bit, two minutes about, um, about our topic for episode three. Um, so having having talked about it, and I, there there's so many different things that we want to get to. Um, I think we're both pretty keen to get onto uh, groups and factions and tag teams and yeah, um, and things like that. But we've decided for episode three that we're going to do our top five intercontinental champions. Yeah, um, which feels like something that's pretty near and dear to both of our hearts. 
Yeah, I think um, you know when 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 we think about and look at the names and the the possibilities. I mean, for for some things, rumble matches was was tough enough to whittle down. Um, but I think inter intercontinental champions is is going to be a tough one to to get to the five. Um, just because I, I think when we decided on it as a topic, there were so many that immediately sprang to mind, mm -hmm. and um, that sort of looking at researching and you know doing the fun bit of researching, which is watching some matches, but also just looking at you know length of run, you know how many matches did they get anyone significantly over during that time, and because it was always considered the workhorse belt, it's you know over the years uh, it's supposed to have been the the title belt that you know one of the best actual workers in mm. the business had um so yeah there's there's a lot of people and a lot of different elements to consider to go into it yeah i'm really i'm really looking forward to that um i think i mentioned to you that um when i looked it up this week there's been 177 different yeah. intercontinental reigns yeah um although multiple reigns within that but um yeah looking forward to that one yeah. Uh, I think I've got a list of 12 at the moment so that's that's uh, a good start we'll you're, you're further along than I am <laughs> <laughs> great stuff well thank you for that episode 2 in the bank thank you um, and we'll look forward to episode 3 yep looking forward to it great stuff catch you later cool cheers <laughs>